please be advised. Spoiler alert episode. Spoiler. Please be advised. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Do it. Really? (laughs) Come on. Let's come in in hot. Kind of a... (laughs) Spoiler episode 90. Bird Box and Roma. Comedy film nerds. A double header spoiler. Double header. I don't know mm-hmm. that we've ever done a double header, but mm-hmm. we really wanted to deal with the two movies that are available on Netflix. Yes. Roma, we talked about in a regular And episode. are actually watchable. They're all very <laughs> they're very watchable. Roma, mm-hmm. please see it on the big screen. Right. If you have mm-hmm. zero options or opportunities to see mm-hmm. it, then at least then watch it on Netflix. And right. if you do have to watch it at home, do do yourself this favor. Turn the lights off. Turn off your phone. Your, don't like sit and watch the movie and let it really wash over you. Yes. Don't just mm-hmm. like, it's not one of those. Don't check your phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's plenty of dumb movies where you can kind of have in the background yes. and do your laundry and check mm-hmm. your, you know, have your yeah. laptop open or whatever. Mm-hmm. This movie is is a beautiful work of art. Mm-hmm. But first we're going to talk. So for those of you who've never listened before, this is a spoiler episode. We're going to talk about a lot of key elements of both of these movies, Bird Box and Roma. We're going to talk about the endings and both of them have very kind of big, severe endings mm-hmm. um so if you have not seen either one of these movies hit pause and go watch them or uh if you're working the sound and you haven't seen one of them you gotta just suck it yeah so uh <laughs> yep. not not the first time won't be the last <laughs> <laughs> how many ru- movies have we ruined for you aaron no you really can't ruin a movie for me even if you tell me the ending i'm fine all right all yeah. right good that's well, very well, open-minded very open-minded <laughs> So Bird Box. Now we talked about this. Um, this is a movie that I kind of felt like was one of the f- first, or not, but it's definitely one of the better Netflix movies. I know that's not saying a lot, right. but it really feels like wow, they actually—it's like Aquaman for Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Netflix's scripted episodics are Marvel, yes. and their feature <laughs> yeah, films are DC, pretty much. Um, so yeah, th- th- you know, I thought that this movie did a really good job, mm. um, and there was a lot of cool stuff that I enjoyed. Now our our last guest that talked about it last week, there's some stuff that didn't quite work for them, right? And and I thought I thought they made compelling points. If you listen to episode four forty nine, yeah. and this is definitely a type of movie that um, requires a suspension of disbelief, <laughs> uh, you know, like all horror and um, you know sci fi and fantasy. Of course, it does. So the key is, how do you get there? Like, you know, how do you make it believable where a suspension of disbelief is feels natural and deserved? Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is the kind of movie that I felt did a good job with that. Like, from every, everything from the setup to the mechanics. Now, there were a couple clunky things where, like, well, wait, if A equals B, <laughs> then does Y, you know, then does B equal C or what? Like, what, what? Uh, like here, here's the, um, one of the things is, it's never really entirely explained if the creatures have a physical presence or not. Right. Because um, when they're in the car and the uh, proximity sensors go off, it sounds, it looks like they're getting surrounded at one point. Now, they could only go off if there was an actual physical entity that they that was there. Uh, but then it's, it's later on, it seems like these creatures um, can only hurt you if you look at them. Whereas... And they're sort of depicted as just sort of like, almost like a smoke or a mist or a... Well, what happens is uh, when they're around, you get that 
that air fluctuation that rustles right. the leaves where you don't actually see the creatures. But then when you look at them, you go mad. Now, it is explained. Uh, again, this is a very clunky exposition. Um, one guy that they're trapped in the house with just happens to be writing a book on mythology specifically to this one threat. Yeah. So convenient. <laughs> so there's there's a couple of things like that. I'm like, there might have been a better way to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but one of them is, is that... Uh, you see your worst possible fear, and that's what drives you to kill yourself. However, they also said that, uh, you know, if you're crazy, like they said, the people in the mental institution, they opened their eyes and they saw them. So uh, what it leads to believe is... Right, because that was the one thing that was sort of a little vague. I didn't have that big of a problem with it. You and some others did. Right. Of the fact that there was a group of people that could just... They didn't have to wear blindfolds. Right. They could Mm -hmm. see the monsters... And they were crazy, though, but they were always, they were trying to get everybody to take their blindfolds right. off. And, and they always talked in that, like, crazy culty, like, right. just see it. It's, it's, yeah. it's best. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Now, um, I actually had less of a problem with that, I think, than our, our guest. And the, here's the reason is because um, you can kind of trace that to a little bit of, like, even mythology, even to the way a virus works. Like, if a virus kills... 90% of the population, there's always that 10% that are resistant to it. So you can actually say that, well, then maybe they saw it and they uh, they were resistant to it or they survived. Or the other explanation on a more spiritual kind of metaphysical and um, supernatural level is that um, seeing these creatures does one of two things. It drives you insane and wants you to kill yourself or you become a servant to the creatures. And if you become a servant to the creatures, you assist them in having other people try to see them. So, which is kind of like a familiar for a vampire. So, like when they have human servants. So, for that explanation, I like, I'm like, okay, well, there's, you know, that kind of makes sense. But, again, it's never really explained, like, which that is. That's also part of the, kind of the mystery. The only thing that does get revealed is that there are creatures. It is, it is, um, it's alluded to more supernatural than, like, an alien invasion, because that seems to be the exposition that's kind of, pointing you in that direction, whether it's demons, supernatural spirits, or whatever. But I really got the impression that they they kind of wanted to steer away from aliens, and I think I know why. One of them is because of the obvious um, comparisons to A Quiet Place, where, you know, you have, all right, well, that's sound, this is sight. Like, right. well, let's try to distinguish ourselves as much as possible from that film. So... I was okay with it. I, I thought it could have been, it was one of those things that could have been smoothed out a little bit more. Like when you are, when you do have a mystery and uh, when you have kind of um, vague rules, like there is a way to kind of rein that in and make it a little more specific. Like even when she's, she's like in the house exploring and then all of a sudden you see the shadow underneath the door. Like, okay, well that denotes a physical presence. Like, uh, but... You know, now it looks like they can only hurt you if you look at them. Like, they can't physically hurt you unless you look at them. Well, let's talk about the ending here. Mm-hmm. So, the ending, they get to a school for the blind, which right. I thought that was a cool reveal. Exactly, yeah. And they real, they're they like, the birds warn the sighted when they're near. Yes, uh-huh. the birds go crazy. The birds go crazy. Mm-hmm. So, they're sort of protected, and it's this community, so... I was like, well, that was really cool because it's like, oh, a blind school. Um, So they already have all this stuff in place on how to walk and and Mm -hmm. go out in the world without vision, which is what... Now, if I did have one complaint that I would have liked to have heard explained, because whether these 
creatures have a physical form, whether they don't, why that you have to see them for them to hurt you. What's the explanation for why they can't enter buildings? <laughs> like, like it seems like they can never, like they're always, oh, they can only hurt you when they're outside. They can never enter a building. Are they like vampires where they have to be invited in? Or, or like, if you notice, like the characters and the humans were always safe if they were in a building mm-hmm. or even if they were in a car. Anything that's enclosed, the creatures couldn't get in. They were only outside. That's the only place they were throughout the entire film. Yeah, I don't know. So, Aaron, you saw this movie. Yes, I did. What were your thoughts on it? Overall, did you like it? I liked it, but it would be like 50% for me. Like, there's just something missing. That's how I feel about it. I feel like... Did you watch it blindfolded? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be an experience. Um, No, I just feel like they don't set up the rules quite well enough because, like Mm. you said, they're only outside... Are they omnipresent? Like, anytime you open your eyes, this can hit you? Well, then how are they... There can't be creatures in every every reach of the Earth outdoors. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, that's a good point, too. Like, Sandra Bullock, when she's coming home from the hospital and her sister is driving, and then her sister sees something and she goes nuts and, you know, crashes the car, like they were both looking out the windshield. Why did she yeah. see it? And why, why didn't Sandra Bullock? Like, yeah. And they do an interesting at the top of the movie of sort of talking about it. And there's news reports in the background and they sort of, the, 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 the setup is sort of very much talked about. Like it's sort of some sort of virus that's spreading mm-hmm. the way we've seen in other post-apocalyptic movies, like world war Z. Right. Where you kind of, they're like, daddy, we got to go to school. And, oh, this boy, this watching this, uh, there's more of that outbreak happening. And that's how they talk about this. Like it's this, it's, it's already happened in other parts of the world. Right. And now it's, it might be here, but they're mm-hmm. not sure. And so then when Sandra Bullock sees everything start going nuts at the hospital in the beginning, she goes, oh shit, it's mm-hmm. here. She puts two and two together. People start flipping out. So then it's like. It, it is very vague and it just sort of asks the viewer to just go, yeah, it's a crazy monster ghost virus smoke just right. that can't come indoors. <laughs> just just, just yeah, accept yeah. it. Yeah. When, when Sarah Paulson's driving, it's all, it feels as though she's looking at like something's happening to the sun or like... Right. Her, of, go, her, her eyes go dark. But like, no, I don't mean like that, but I mean like it's an... It's an object in the sky that she sees and Sandra Bullock can't because of her vantage point or whatever. Um, and then everyone who's who else is like, what is that? And looks at it and this happens to them. Versus later, it just seems like any time you open your eyes outdoors, where no matter where you are, the forest at night, I mean, there's got to be some sort of... There, there just had to be more rules to it, I think. Right. To what it was. Well, let me just play devil's advocate here because I didn't have as big of a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Is that the fact that we're, we're, we're literally, it's through the eyes of these like handful of survivors. And so they're like, we don't know what the fuck is happening. Right. To me, that was kind of part of the fun of it was just like, uh, there's kind of some rules, but we have no idea. And if you just were in life and this thing was happening and there was no reasonable explanation. Right. And you just realized, well, I guess if we tape up the windows, we're good. Mm -hmm. 
If we go outside, we got to cover our eyes. Otherwise, it's 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 over right. until we get in the car. Until we get in the mm-hmm. car, and we got to tape up the windows of the car. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You also it infects. Like, could you, you wear through. a diver's helmet? Could yeah. You, you know. <laughs> well, to me, to me, argue over eyewear. Yeah. yeah. But, but to me, I was like, can't can't you just look down when you walk? Like, ow! Everyone who sees it seems to see it either in the sky or somewhere in front of them versus like look at your feet what are they there are they hovering I, around your sneakers yeah and, and, <laughs> and one of the you know one of the rules that the dip the, they the, live in your shoelaces yeah. <laughs> but they're also uh, they can if, if infect you through social media and through your tv and through the security cameras is what you know happens to bd wong uh it's like what? oh right right well, There's got to be some, like, I, I thought that would be the ultimate, like, that would be a nice bit where it's like, oh, I can, you can go through, through cameras or whatever, you'd be fine. Or like but a mirror like, or no, something it immediately, like that. Yeah, it immediately like looking at Medusa through a mirror. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Give me, give me some way these guys can get through this in a manageable way. Well, the other thing that also um, made it more supernatural, speaking of, like, specifically what you're seeing is that uh, everyone's supposed to see something different. Like it's like your worst fear or your worst nightmare then causes you to kill yourself. So there isn't one view of the monster, although it's, it, it's possible that they have a true form or whatever, but what you see, like uh, when the guy brings out the drawings of like uh, the monster, that's what, that's what it looked like to him. Right. But that's not necessarily what it would look like to anyone else. Or it might be. And he's one of the guys that, can see it and survive. Can yeah. see it and survive. And he was, he became John a servant Malkovic for them. Realized yeah. who had a great character, I thought, mm-hmm. of the, oh, he's just the dick that wants to kill him and isolate himself, but he's not wrong. Right. No, he's not. And he paid for it by paid- letting that guy in. He was right to not let him in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, if you, um, if the world is ending and someone shows up at your door and you do let them in, you probably would check his bag. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, you've got creepy drawings of monsters and stuff. Oh. Yeah, maybe you should go back outside. Yeah, 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 I don't Give think a, we... a firm pat down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not just a cursory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what did you think, though, of the ending, Aaron? The ending? I was like, how long is this going to last? Like, this isn't the end. There's no way that these people all just live in harmony and there's enough food for all of them and... Where are they going to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, like, sure, it's... Well, they can it's, make it work. <laughs> sure. Until they, river, until they get raided mm-hmm. by... It, are these crazy people who are out there who can see without blindfolds? Or are they just not hitting this place? Are they not listening to the radio to find it as well? Like, they'd have the best advantage to find this bird sanctuary, this the sanctuary for the blind. Like, they would easily find it and take it over. I don't understand how that hasn't or won't happen well, i don't know you know that's uh we didn't really go into a ton of details on exactly. the, uh, the sanctuary but yeah. uh um and is everyone in there blind or is or no is, it's a mix yeah we didn't really get a great idea of the ratio of of a blind original decided. people and and other people have well it's a sanctuary room. for everyone so it would probably it would be a uh, mix obviously of uh sighted and non-sighted but yeah. uh um one I, of the things that the movie was really about was kind of like Sandra Bullock's journey through, uh, you know, 
ultimately postpartum depression, not wanting kids to opening herself up and, um, you know, living and feeling life, especially for her children at the end, because she was so, she finally gives them names at the end after they hit the sanctuary because she's so closed off. And the fact that she just names them boy and girl. And uh, what I liked about it too, is it showed how closed off she was. Like you could see it um, in the way she spoke to the children. Like there was no compassion. There was no warmth. Like I care enough to keep you alive but not enough to either encourage you or make you feel loved or anything in that regard. Uh, I'm just going to keep you alive, then my job is done. Which they set up in the beginning when she's pregnant and kind of in denial about having a baby. Yes. Mm -hmm. And sort of just, I'm this, you know, single woman who's an artist and have my Mm -hmm. own life. And it's like, yeah, that's all going to change, kid, in about five months or whatever, so get Mm -hmm. ready. Um, And even the doctor is like, who... The doctor's like, you better wake up to this reality. It's yes. coming. And then, of course, we see the doctor at the end at the at the at the, the blind, the school for the blind, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a neat. I, I actually liked that. Oh, I, guess, I missed that. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, 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 you're right. The girl from Bennett like Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The girl from Bennett like Beckham. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. surprised she didn't ask. Oh, where'd you get the other kid? Yeah. 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 <laughs> when you were brain, mm-hmm. there was only one in there. So you adopted? Yeah. After. Yeah. But like, I, I guess I've, I, you guys bring up all these points that I'm like, oh, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I guess I got a little more just taken into the. And that goes back to our initial discussion. Your suspension of disbelief brought you over all of those little, um, y- you know, inconsistencies. It's okay. Yeah. Like you forgave them. Because I just was like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, crazy ghost monstery things, can't right. see them. And the other thing is, why do these uh, ghost monsters who can't come in the door um, make women go into labor at the exact same time? <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> that's an, you can't, so that's the thing. Don't look at these things. Yeah. You'll go into labor and then blow your yeah. own head yeah. off. Yeah, so there's, there is that as well. There's uh, apparently some side effects of um, ghostly suicide monsters. <laughs> Yeah, I I just sort of like, all right, cool. Let's just see the journey. And I'm glad that it wasn't all Sandra Bullock um, with a blindfold on, seeing just these Mm. these these blurry images, trying to figure that out. Because that would have that would have been boring to me. I'll tell you, I'm glad they and I like the use of the flashbacks. Mm. I guess right. She's really had an interesting career, Sandra Mm -hmm. Bullock. You know, it's. You know, for every Bird Box and Gravity, there's like a miscongeniality in that resume. Like there's, oh, she goes really from just... But she got out of that. She got out of that ghetto of just like, you know, she would snort and bump into stuff and be Mm -hmm. the cute girl in the room. Yeah, she took control of her career. She really did. Mm -hmm. And and then has done, you know, some really interesting work, I think. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, you look at like, you know, everything from, you know, Tom Hanks started in Bosom Buddies and, Uh you know, look where he went after that. Uh, so it, it's a it's a lesson really for actors. It's like you know you, but it doesn't happen immediately and overnight and under um, someone else's tutelage. You have to take control of that yourself mm-hmm. as your career because you know the truth is agents and managers they don't care. They're just no. gonna they want the biggest paycheck. If that's miscongeniality five, they're gonna pitch it to you as the best movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, if you say, I want to do Bird Box for Netflix, you know, at first, I'm like, oh, it's not going to pay as much. And it's, you know, I don't know. Your horror is not your thing. You shouldn't be in horror movies. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there was that bullshit resistance that she got. But, you know, she stuck to her guns. No, this is a good script. I want to do it. And I mean, uh, th- th- um, this last five five years or so of hers, 
maybe even 10 is where she's really made this transition. You know, we yeah. had Blindside, we've had- Gravity. Gravity. We've had really, yeah. really good, you know, where she doesn't, and every once in a while, like she did the, the Melissa McCarthy buddy cop thing. The heat. Oh, heat, I forgot about that which was, one. But, yeah, but yeah. that was even mm. a, a somewhat of, uh, of the departure because she let Melissa McCarthy do the heavy- Right. F- big, big comedy lifting, mm. and she played more the straight, straight man. Straight man, yeah. Which was great, actually. She was Abbott, and and you know, I, it's really interesting where her career has gone. Mm-hmm. I think, and it's really, it's you know, this character she did a good job. Don't forget they, Demolition Man. Demo- <laughs> Chris won't let go of the nineties, early two thousands with this woman. I saw uh, it in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. Uh, I could almost wager I was on the road mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, I was eleven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just good parenting. Yeah, bringing an eleven-year-old to demolition man. Yeah, and uh, you know, especially in the VR sex with Sylvester Stallone, that was. <laughs> hey, gotta um, learn. Gotta learn somehow. <laughs> but I want to talk about too, in, t- in terms of like, she did a fine job of acting in this. Whether yes. you, your suspension, dis- whether you bought that or not, mm-hmm. her as this, you know reluctant parent who's now thrown thrown into a post-apocalyptic nightmare trying to right. raise kids and is really shut off emotionally as mm-hmm. would i would imagine a person would be if they were thrown into this horror show right. mm-hmm. um it is i mean again you do that you say okay she's shut off emotionally but she has this relationship with another with a man which she meets through this which which she was great and, and, and look that, well, that it was, Travante Rhodes is the actor and it was it was part of her ultimately dethawing really yes. and that's you know that's part of her journey like at first it didn't she didn't want anything to do with him but you know she gradually you know started to um, start embrace life again through him but not completely not through the kids like even when she embraced life with him it didn't go far enough. Like they argued about the kids. It's like, you know, you've got to give them hope. And it's like, no, it's, I'm trying to keep them alive. Like it's not enough to just keep them alive. You have to give them something to live for. I, it, it also, you know, that guy is a fantastic actor. Yeah, and good. like, you look at him in Moonlight last year, he was so good as mm-hmm. this street guy, you know, gang dude, whatever, who's also a closeted gay man. Mm-hmm. And in this, he plays just this, you know, he's a construction worker. He's talking about his team. He's, you know, he's a regular guy with a regular job who's right. been thrust mm-hmm. into this thing. That's that's the, that's always sort of the thing with the post-apocalyptic right. is you take this, this mismatch of people and you throw them all in together. You well, know? you know, I just hope the funny guy from Get Out isn't gonna be the funny guy in, from every horror movie. Like he literally played the exact same character. You know, the um, um, which who, who was little, the little Rel, little Rel Howry, yeah, yeah, he's in Get Out, he's the TSA agent, yeah, he's the TSA yeah. agent, yeah. and uh, you know, it's like he's in the supermarket, ain't no way I'm cleaning this up, and I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's the same, same, that guy. guy's the same guy, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. but but I mean, I think I think Travante Rhodes is somebody that I think we're gonna we're just starting to scratch the surface on how good of an actor he's right. going to be and i mm-hmm. think we're going to see him in some fantastic because he's already these two roles just moonlight and this were like mm-hmm. well pretty I, varied i mean i've said this before and uh it bears repeating especially with a movie like this the best horror movies are treated like dramas yeah like you yeah. know you you have good actors treating these like dramas that just happens to have extraordinary or supernatural circumstances, but they react to them in a very grounded and realistic way. It makes everything more believable. Again, goes back to 
easier to suspend disbelief. Like if you had a, a shitty CW actress running around, you know, right. in a short skirt, you know, seeing monsters, nobody gives a shit. With an awful script mm. with, with two dimensional right. characters and cliches, right. which we didn't have. Mm. We had, I mean, even the complexities of John Malkovich's character. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he w- was like some sort of rich guy kind of lawyer who was a little mm. bit of a dick. And so he carries that into the apocalypse, but then he's not. And the minute we meet him, he loses his wife. Right. Who's helping. The very second, yeah. He's helping and he's mad that mm-hmm. he lost his wife. Like yeah. she was the, she was the, the, the Trevante Rhodes t- yeah. to his character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she was obviously just, just from his reaction to losing his right. wife, she was the nice, sweet one. And he was the hard ass, just like Sandra Bullock is the hard right. ass to Trevante Rhodes being the sweet one with the heart. Now, devil's advocate here, just as we're exploring the world and the rules in this world, like, and I'm sure because this is based on a book, there's probably a, a ton more rules and explanations in the book. Like, I'd be interested to see what would happen. Like, let's say um, you're with a group of people. One of them sees the monsters and is about to kill themselves. However, the other people intervene, tie this person to a bed or whatever, so they can't kill themselves. Does it pass? Or the second you let them up, do they try to kill themselves again? Or do they just starve themselves? Or, or they just starve? Like yeah. Like what happens? Like that's if a you great question. Them? Yeah. So it'd be like, and that's that type of stuff is really interesting and fun to explore, which I'm sure, like I said, more stuff gets explored in the book. A, yeah. a movie you have much limited. Well, I would have, I would have liked to have seen if you're going to say that they they kill themselves because they see their greatest fear. Let's flash it. Flash it on the screen when yeah. their eyes turn. Flash of what. They tried, those, you know. they tried, and they, they cut it out because it was Sandra Bullock. It was like a baby monster, like a like with a, a monster with like a baby head. And uh, um, she just kept laughing because it looked so ridiculous that they cut the Well, she feet. wouldn't, she doesn't turn, so we wouldn't see what she's afraid of. Well, I mean, it was a nightmare. It's, it's clearly the, uh, it, it was a, uh, it the was ability a to love is her greatest Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they kind of did, they kind of alluded to it at the very end when she's, She's getting close to the blind school, right? And you start to hear the voices. You hear the voices of the people that are already dead going, it's okay, come here. Like, which was interesting, but it wasn't that thing that you're talking about, Aaron, of I wish we could have seen what that guy that that talked his way in that had the drawings of the monsters. Like, mm-hmm. I wish we could have seen everybody's worst fear would have been really right. cool. Yeah, just, I mean, it, it wouldn't take any more screen time. It'd be just... Just a flash. A couple mm. of flashes, maybe, and boom. <laughs> well, I thought it was a good creative choice, actually, not to show that, because um, it leaves the the creepiest parts up to your imagination, because I think they would have run the risk every single scene of like, all right, well, that one was creepy, but that one was dumb, and that one, yeah. Well, really yeah, but we're see. human. We have stupid yeah. reasons for everything <laughs> we do, and... Everything we're afraid of. But, like, of. I like the fact that, like... like uh, if mine, like, if I saw the thing, they'd be like, a cave? caves? Like, he doesn't like small spaces? Yeah, yeah. That's my thing. And it's also oh, wow. the, the... Well, that's the, good to know. The way they killed each other, too, like, themselves, too. Like, uh, like you know, Aaron's saying, like, you know, cave, small spaces, that could do it. But, like, what would that... What suicidal action would that lead to? Like, um, uh, Sandra Bullock's uh, sister crashed the car, you know... John Malkovich's, Malkovich's uh, wife went into a burning car, and then the one old woman stabbed herself in the neck with a with a knife or a scissors. So it's like whatever they're seeing also kind of dictates how they kill themselves too. So which which I find interesting, and also leaves a lot of it up to your imagination. Like what are you seeing that's causing this to happen? Right. 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't mind if they weren't connected. It's just like the fastest, closest thing, which was kind of cool. And then, then it, it made it so you had no time to save them, you know? Right, right. Yeah, there's it that too. It doesn't necessarily have to correspond with their fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it could be just jumping out yeah, the I window. W- yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't run into a cave, I think. I'm just saying that would be the thing. You'd have flash. to find a cave first. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd just be running <laughs> through the hills. And Yelp reviews and everything Yeah, yeah, yeah make yeah. sure it's right. Exactly. How many stars does this scary cave get? Yeah, you'd have to go up, look on cave B&B. Look, guys, a crawl, a crawl space under a house will work. It's all, it, it, you know, it's, it's so, small right. and I got to crawl. No, no thanks. So let's, uh, let's move on to Roma. We talked pretty extensively yes. on the regular episode about Roma, and it is again, it it, it is such beautiful. Alfonso Curion mm-hmm. is is an and he won best yes. foreign and best best picture in mm-hmm. um in the Golden Globes, which I think right. is an indication of how the Oscars are going to go as well. It should be because I have yet, and there's a couple more Oscary movies I need to see, but there's nothing that's coming close to this film. Well, no, Critics Choice, it, Critics Choice happened this weekend. He won best picture, best foreign film, and best director. Wow. And I, okay. maybe cinematography as well. I think he's going to sweep that at every award ceremony. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like, it's it's not every year that uh, a movie might be up for Best Picture and Best Foreign Film at the same time at the mm-hmm. Academy Awards. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, they kind of go hand in hand with a movie like that. I mean, it's a real possibility to win Best Director and Best Cinematographer too, which is, which is unusually the same guy like normally it's it's yeah. not the same guy uh but this time it is so let's talk about roma i and we don't want to get into the ending too much because uh it was a non-spoiler episode but i want to talk about that scene on the beach which was so heartbreaking oh, and terrifying because i really thought as i'm watching this movie that uh all right well this is where the tragedy is going to happen these kids are going to drown and uh just the fact that she's afraid of the water she goes back in and gets the kids. And I thought, okay, well, she saved one, but then the other one's going to drown. Like, I immediately thought, there's no way these kids are going to get saved. And let's go, well, let's talk mm-hmm. about that in terms mm-hmm. of his view as a director and a cinematographer. Yes. We only see her. Yes. They tracked her. She's terrified. She starts mm-hmm. going into the water. And right. fact to fact, we mm-hmm. know she can't swim. It doesn't pan out to see where the kids are. doesn't no, see what uh-uh. she's looking at. It stays at. on her. We, it just stays on her. Mm-hmm. So you're like, where are the kids? They right. kind of float in and out of frame. You see one of them, and then they yeah, kind of yeah. go underwater, and you're like fucking terrified. And also, the way that scene was shot, oh. it puts you in the water with them. There in were the no, water. there were no cutaways. You literally, you go, you start on the beach, you go in the water with her to look for the kids, and then you come back out. So logistically, I was just thinking that was must have been really that had to be like a guy in a Steadicam oh. walking back and forth. You know, with her. And this mm-hmm. goes back to the thing we were talking about in the regular episode of of, of how the sound design, the sound mix, how mm-hmm. that was so important in telling the story. And we talked about one of the reasons why you got to see it in the big screen. Right. Like you're sitting in the theater and you'd hear like mm-hmm. people arguing in the, in the room next door. And so on the left speaker over your shoulder, you'd hear this muffle argument. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the beach... I'm in the theater and the sound is the, and I was like, God, this guy, I'm a beach guy. And mm-hmm. I hear and feel all of the sounds of the beach when right. I'm down there. So mm-hmm. I was like, he's capturing it. Mm-hmm. The nice breeze, the seagulls flying, right. you know, the kids laughing in the background. And then when she, the kids are, are 
drowning and she goes to the water, the sound of the ocean gets so loud, right. it becomes it it out. terrifying. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're now as scared as she would be if I can't swim and I've got to jump. And I've been in big surf and it can be fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a very good swimmer. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine. So it, I was ter- I was like shaking mm-hmm. and scared because of the sound, yeah, mm-hmm. which is beautiful filmmaking. And right. It's just like, it, it was so like, and I'm like, holy shit. Well, I will say this as a parent too. As soon as I hear, uh, we want to go in the water. All right, but just in the shallow part. Okay. You know, that's never, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the kids you know are that's, that's never, never going to Never going to do that. Yeah, just stay where I can work. see you. Yeah, They're 200 yeah, yards yeah, down yeah, the no, dam. No, My nephews mm, did that. I almost yeah, dragged them out of the water yeah, by their ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen there. <laughs> So it was really powerful and effective. And the whole movie was leading up to that emotional moment. And But what's fascinating is you didn't know it at the time. You didn't know that the whole movie was leading up to that really strong emotional moment. But it did. And it did, in, it, did it in a very organic and um, uh, almost like um, unusual and uh, almost, I don't know, I'm looking at the word I'm thinking of, like almost like a misdirection. Like you didn't know really where the movie was going, but then when we get there, you're like, oh, we were kind of leading up to this the entire time. It makes, Mm -hmm. yeah, you think, are the kids gonna drown? Is she gonna drown trying to save them? She rescues the kids, the mom runs up, the kid says, hey, you know, um, she saved, she saved the daughter and the mom, and then there's that scene that's, that's, and that's actually the movie poster. That's the movie poster. They're mm-hmm. all hugging in a huddle mm-hmm. on the beach. That's the family. That's mm-hmm. the. And then she says, and we're going to get into this, the hospital scene, because her, her baby is stillborn. Right. We're going to talk about that scene. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. That was a tough scene that's to watch. That's a tough scene to watch, but also amazing filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And they're crying on the beach. So it's like they all just went through this very scary thing. Which when you that happens, it's so it's why he's such a good filmmaker. It's such a human response when people right. go through a life, a, 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 a brush with death, whatever. Very much have this life affirming. People feel this need to just like speak really honestly and clearly and and confide stuff. And she says, she starts crying and says, "I I didn't. I was glad the baby died. I didn't want to have this baby." And you're just like, "Oh, yeah." Mm-hmm. So much is led up to her getting pregnant. The the boyfriend that you think is a good guy that ends up being a real fucking asshole. Right. And he's and we find out through and this was stuff that was said through Perla, uh, mm-hmm. who gave us the information that it was showing that this kid was recruited to join this like special forces unit right. that was helping you know attack students who were protesting and all this. So when she has that realization on the beach, I mean, it's like un believable i just broke down i mean it was like such powerful filmmaking and it really is um uh, also shows you too like how non-binary we are like it's not black or white it's not one or zero like uh this is the woman who said she didn't really want the baby but she was completely brokenhearted at the sight of her stillborn baby. Who so, wouldn't be? So it's the kind of thing where she says she didn't really want the baby, but at the same time, you know, a part of her really did. And uh, and that's 
one of the amazing thing about this film is that it shows the different sides to humanity, what somebody may say, what somebody may feel, and they don't necessarily always um, match up 100%, and, but that's the way human beings are. Oh, yeah, that's such a great point, because <clears throat> had the child been born, I'm sure she would have loved and held and, oh, my God, this is so amazing, and part of her would have gone, oh, God. Yeah. How am I mm -hmm. going to pay for this and take right. care of this? And mm -hmm. uh, what if am I? If I lose my job with this rich family, uh, we're both going to be out on the street. What are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And I want to protect this child, but man, I wish it maybe wasn't here. I mean, like, yeah. what a human emotion for anyone mm -hmm. to feel. Um, any parent, I'm sure, has gone, oh, shit. Yeah. And has had moments where they went, man, if we didn't have kids, it yeah. would be, you know, and. We'd have both have new cars. Yeah, we <laughs> whatever we would we could just pick up and go do this thing, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. Um, and then there's the moments of oh my god, how beautiful this child is! I'm so glad right. they're in my life. And so yeah. I want to. I'd be so miserable if I didn't have kids. You know, right. it goes yep. uh, for sure. I mean, all of those feelings are natural and valid, and you know, we're so ingrained to like be ashamed of any type of negative thought or or emotion. You know, when it comes to having our children, that uh, um, but. The truth is everyone has them. Everyone has yeah. them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to see that on film where it was a, um, you know, it was a, a very conflicted feeling about it is especially after you've lost a child and still more. Yeah. It's totally natural. And it's also a coping mechanism. Like, you know, you lost your child. How, there's nothing more heartbreaking than that. You know, it also helps you deal with it if you say, like, well, I you know, I'm never really wanted or I'm glad it was the, this is for the best because it's too much to handle it's how you have to have a coping mechanism of dealing with it and that coping and, mechanism yeah. also comes with a huge amount of guilt yes for of feeling course. that way yeah it does it totally does and uh you know it's it's a thousand different emotions going yeah. through you know and it went through her in the uh in the film and the thing about this film and that moment is a great example but it all felt genuine and oh. real you know we didn't grow up in mexico in the turmoil in the 70s but again the magic of filmmaking we can connect with the the human emotions that people go through no matter where or when you you uh you know you you went through these things yeah so he and that's to, the whole point to it's that, connecting to the emotions it's connecting to the emotions mm -hmm. so one of the things he did he shot on location in mexico city he did mm -hmm. not use a sound stage he could have used a sound stage mm -hmm. which is why we said there's all these airplanes in it because right. <laughs> but let's the 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 delivery scene in the hospital which is one of the just like I just was like, oh. Yeah. Like, and also show you the, the separation of class, where if she didn't have a rich benefactor, oh. yeah, she would have been like literally in the basement with a thousand other moms yep. giving, uh, giving birth with no, uh, with no help. Mm -hmm. She got mm -hmm. the good health care with the right. good doctors because mm -hmm. um, she works for a, a, a doctor family. Yes. So mm -hmm. he, he's a doctor and, they have, and the wife, they mm -hmm. got money and he's got respect. Right. She's immediately brought to the front of the line. Yes. Mm -hmm. you know, they get to that hospital after the riots, right? So right. there's the riots where they shot the kids mm -hmm. and which again was, was so, and the sound design, you felt like, holy shit, I'm in a city where there is a riot happening. Yes. You hear mm -hmm. gunfire off in the background. You hear stuff happening right here. Mm -hmm. You see people crying because somebody got shot. It's it's insane. Then you get to this massive hospital in this huge city, and it is bedlam. Right. There are hundreds of people wounded, cry, screaming, crying. It's chaos. Chaos. Ma'am, mm -hmm. you got to wait in this long line. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. Walks right to the front. Right. The grandmother says, no, no. And this, you know, rich... <laughs> 
you know, grandmother, right. older matriarch says, mm-hmm. and that, oh, taken care of. You know, what's interesting, too, is like you always look at Mexico and the initial um, impression is always, well, it's a poor country. Everyone's poor in Mexico. I'm like, mm, not everyone. Nope. You know, no, that's Every not. Every country that's has that, rich that's people. Not the, that's not the case. And uh, it showed you like, oh, yeah, there, there is a, um, there is another class to, you know, to Mexico. The rich people in Mexico it. don't need to, they don't come to this country. No. Because they have, they have a good life. <laughs> yeah. They don't need to, to mm-hmm. leave their nice villas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they have a car that can't fit in their driveway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then that scene, this is this, and this, this, piece of information will say several things one why he's such a great filmmaker and why the scene is so powerful so the scene the hospital scene was shot only once the doctors and nurses were real and they were not actors and they were hired to make the scene feel more authentic and it did oh my god Mm -hmm. and it's that typical thing he just keeps it on her and everything that's Mm -hmm. around her so uh, she's there weren't a thousand cuts in this movie no yeah and those are so powerful because you're just there watching everything that's happening on the sc- mm-hmm. in the frame. Right. You're not being diverted to this right. cutaway and that yeah. cutaway. Close up, you know, Close, two shot. Two, two shot. shot. Like, no, the, the, here's the, the camera's locked down. Here's everything happening in the frame. You could look wherever you want, but here's the action happening throughout this entire area. And that's what he does. He mm-hmm. actually kind of gives you, the viewer, the mm-hmm. option of what to cut to because right. he puts so much in the frame. Yes. Do I look at this, the anesthesiologist in the corner of the frame right. that's during? And then, and then again, with the sound, and because it makes so much sense, he hires these real actors. So you're hearing this like, and it's in Spanish, you know, they're basically like, uh, you know, get her EKG, blood vitals, and it's just yeah. fucking crazy. And it starts out, oh, we've delivered a million babies. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay, wait. All right. You know, this isn't that great. Let's get her out of here. Let's get her into this room. You feel and hear their um, urgency go up in the medical staff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you then, you're her. You're 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 watching. You're you're the woman like. If everyone's like, okay, sweetie, we've delivered a million babies. I know you're mm-hmm. nervous. Don't worry about this. And then my voice kind of changes. So, okay, you know what? We need to move her to this room, get the doctor on right. call. We need the surgeon mm-hmm. there. You'd go, oh, shit. And that's what I was doing as the audience. And again, the frame is full with all of the chaos. Mm-hmm. The sound is full. So I am just like, what's, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Is the baby, what's going to happen with the baby? That's what she's going through. Where's my baby? It's the baby. And then they, and then the baby's dead. Yeah, stillborn. And she says, can I hold it? It's just, it's unbelievable human. And it wasn't CG either. Oh. That was a, um, that was a prop baby. Yeah, it was. That was, it was, uh, which made they it, created it. They had, if you, if you put CG in a black and white period piece, you would have ruined it. It wouldn't have looked right. You, it yeah. would have, you would have, you would have taken everyone out of the theater. With all the technology we have, it still wouldn't have looked right. Um, practical effect was the way to go for sure. And, you know, it was dedicated to Lebo, who was his family uh, servant and the central character was based on. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing. So Kirion was the only person on set to know the entire script and the direction of the film. Each day before filming, the director would hand the lines to the cast, attempting to elicit real emotion and shock from his actors. Each actor would also receive contradictory directions and explanations, which meant they were... There was chaos on the set every day. For Curion, that's exactly what life is like. It's chaotic, and you can't really plan how you react to any given situation, which is what made it so authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
there's not all these big name bankable stars in there. No. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these people are 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 actors in Mexico and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but I didn't recognize anyone. She's a newcomer. That, but that was the kind of that was the Th- point. That was the point. Yeah. This is just Mexico City in 1970. Mm-hmm. Right. With the, you know, Mexico City has a massive pop. It's like I don't know, 30 million people or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. And it felt so And then when the it felt just like regular everyday life in the beginning. And then when all this shit started to slowly kind of unravel in the in politically in the town, and then also within the family, when the husband, we, we reveal later, see, I thought it was a pretty good uh, uh, re- slow reveal. The husband leaves and I thought we were gonna see him, the reason he's delayed in coming back is because he's caught up in this political turmoil. Mm-hmm. And then we find out he's actually having an affair. Right which was also good mm-hmm. because I'm sure that's... We never saw any shots of him after he left the house because... Uh, we saw one shot when he's at the movie theater with his mistress. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that yeah. scene. Yeah, oh, she, okay. she, she sees it. The housekeeper sees it. Oh, because the housekeeper's... Okay, I forgot and, about and it's that. Like, yeah, wait, yeah. huh, what? Mm-hmm. And it's like, she has to kind of play dumb. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we hear the conversations of the wife crying on the phone and he's with his lady and you know right. all this other stuff mm-hmm. um it, and 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 90% of the scenes represented in the film are scenes taken out of his memory right which is why again they feel so authentic and mm-hmm. then he shoots it stages it and and keeping the actors in the dark so they just show up because that's what would happen. Oh, I'm just showing up to work today. It's a regular day. Oh yeah. shit, there's a revolution. Oh shit, you know, yep. like. Well, in a way, the actors uh, they didn't have any homework. It was like, all right, well, there's no sides to study. We won't know until we get on set what's going to happen. I would actually mm-hmm. love that as an actor mm-hmm. because then you could really, you know, the improvisational style. It's what lent this to being such a powerful movie. I mean, it's really just. I mean, this has to be. You got to put this in the top 100 movies of all time. It is the best movie of the year, without a doubt. I mean, nothing nothing can come close to it. It is, I have never, it's one of those few movies, there's this handful of movies, I'd put it in the top 20 of all time, where you had a sincere, emotional, physical, emotional response. Right. When the movie's over, you know, you know, for me, I know it's a good movie. When the movie, when the cre- and the credits are rolling, and I'm sitting in my seat, going, "You're a little exhausted." Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're whoa. spent. Mm-hmm. And and it was so, it was so amazing and powerful. I, I I can't that hospital scene, and then the scene at the beach. I mean, it was just great filmmaking <sighs> all around, and it was personal. I mean, everything kind of came together. Um, and, and it was also, you know, a filmmaker making the movie the way he wanted to make it. It was his vision. Like, you know, how are you going to note a movie like this? There's there's no way you can't. What are you going to say? Yeah, yeah. What what would the notes look like on a movie like this? Yeah, you know, Less we just... Less planes. We just, <laughs> more cutaways. Yeah. More, <laughs> more jump cuts. Yeah. Not so many tracking shots that yeah. captured everyday life in Mexico and, City. And can we set it in the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... All of this stuff, man, just, yeah, it's one of those pieces of cinema that like 10 years from now, if they're playing it on a big screen, I'm going to go watch it. Right. It's like, I still, if I can, when movies like Godfather are playing Mm -hmm. 
and it's a 35 millimeter print or something like that, if I can go see it, I will. Lawrence, we saw Lawrence of Arabia, I remember that, in the Dome Theater. And yep. It was unbelievably experienced. I think we were at that same screening. Yeah, I think we might have been. And yeah. we all went, oh my mm-hmm. God. I had already seen Apocalypse Now several times on VHS as a kid. Mm. Cause, and then when it, I remember seeing it at the Cinerama Dome here in LA. Did you see the crazy long director's cut? I saw all of them. I oh, saw all of them, okay. <laughs> I saw a redo and I saw, mm-hmm. I, when they just, I remember sitting in the Cinerama Dome mm-hmm. when they showed the regular version, not the crazy director's cut. And again, right. they did that same thing of hearing the helicopters flew over my head. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you just put me into this thing. Right. And it's like, I remember seeing when they re-released Godfather, I saw it at the Chinese theater. Mm-hmm. And I watched Godfather 1 and 2, and I remember walking out of there with some people from my acting class, and, we, and I was like, that movie is seamless. Right. It's mm-hmm. seamless. There's not, and that's what Roma is. Right. There's no like, well, that scene was all right, or mm-hmm. that actor was decent, or mm-hmm. that dialogue felt a little clunky. No, man, it's just <laughs> like... And this is the, when, when a filmmaker captures something this personal. So you could just say, night, you know, night, this is good filmmaking because it's also like, it's not Hollywood's interpretation of Mexico from the 70s. Right. Mm-hmm. Hollywood's interpretation of Mexico is probably pretty inaccurate, even today, and pretty racist, mm-hmm. I would imagine. You know, everyone's poor. You know, everyone's brown, everyone, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Nope. We got to see the whole authentic class structure from a guy that lived there during the time. Mm-hmm. And then to also be enough of a, of a visual expert and know how to visually convey these scenes that were, like you said, 90% of them actually happened. So t- and to show them to us so that we feel like we get them the way he got them when he was they were happening to him. And just the uh, the trucker tracking tracking shots um you know of the the city blocks that are all bustling with activity. It's like first of all it's a period piece so you got to set it for the 70s. Then as we're going past it's everything from cars to costumes to storefronts everything has to look like it was from the 70s. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where some computer aid <laughs> computer effects happened uh but it looks great and it looks very um like there was i'm sure there was a lot of practical you know set design and um production design there as well um but it was it was just incredible like it felt like you know some of these tracking shots almost felt like documentaries like you're just watching something happening like you know you're seeing our our leads walk past but there's so much activity going on throughout the entire um, frame that you're like, well, God, this is, you know, every one of those has gets stage direction and is an, as an actor and they have, um, you know, something to do as we're walking by and seeing them for two seconds. So it makes it all feel so authentic and real. So the amount of research that must have been done to, mm-hmm. to, to, as you say, pack those frames. I mean, this is Mexico City. This is a huge city. Yeah. How the hell did you shut down these streets mm-hmm. and then set dress them for for nineteen right. seventy? Mm-hmm. Like that's an that's an, an an immense undertaking to where, like you say, I felt like I was watching a right. documentary of yeah. Mexico City from the seventies. You know, and there's there's a lot of movie magic going on as to how these shots were obtained, and you know, a lot of it. You know, if you're just watching it as a viewer, we're a little more cognizant of it because we know what it's like to get some of these 
shots and like how difficult it is, especially like the one in the water. I'm thinking that's either a guy in a Steadicam, that's somebody on a platform, you know, walking with a Steadicam, that's, you know, that's a crane, that's, you know, <laughs> I'm going through all my head, a drone, maybe there's, there's all different ways that that, you know, that shot could have been gotten. But at the same time, um, whatever he picked, he picked the right thing because it was, it looked amazing. And uh, that's one of the beautiful things about uh, the filmmaking in this movie is that every creative choice from the technical to um, the content to the creative was, I felt like the right decision. Like wow. it was, the exception of the 10 minute long naked martial arts scene. I thought that could have been cut in half, but we already had that discussion. I didn't I mind like, that yeah. scene. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get the point. Oh, we're still going. I, okay. <laughs> and again, though, like I said, the point of that scene was to show this guy yeah. as a little out there and yeah. a little dangerous mm-hmm. and... And I felt like, well, you let's also, just let's just let's just finish out the uh, reel of film. Let's keep going. <laughs> I know it was shot digitally, but let's just pretend it's film and let's uh, let's just keep going. And also, under mm-hmm. and also, I saw that and I went because you know you ask yourself, well, why would she be with such an? I get it. Just, uh, the guy was in great shape. You know, he's swinging his Were sword there a around. Lot of tr- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, and also, you know, she's a housekeeper, and they made a point of like, you know her options may be limited for who's right. going to be with her. And uh, that point was made a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, specifically to her, um, with him when he liked her, with him when he walked down her, and when she confronted him, it was made again. Like, you know, you know you're know, you a servant. You know, get away from me. Yeah. Like, it didn't even matter that you were pregnant. This is my child. This is what you are. And this is your station and you're beneath me. Which is also that that scene, which is really heartbreaking. And of course, she she's so... This actress does such a great job of just like, she's very stoic, but you can see how hurt she is. Yeah, of course. Without this big emoting of it. Mm -hmm. And so- It was hard for her to track him down. Oh, she tracks him down, and then when he says that, and he's such a dick to her, Mm -hmm. right? And that scene, she doesn't have this big breakdown, she doesn't cry. Mm -hmm. So then that informs when we get to the beach and she finally says that, you know that's part of it. She she feels like she's less than, you know, right. whatever. This mm-hmm. guy was an asshole to her. Maybe I am just a servant. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have this baby. So right. when she makes that admission. It'll remind me of him every time. It'll remind too. me of him every Again, time. a whole nother um, perspective of, of just that line and what she's feeling. Because you know there's more than it's better. I didn't want to have that baby. You know there's more there. It's not just, just money yeah. or yeah. it's yeah. so much. And mm-hmm. then... The revealing of it, that moment of honesty with the family at the beach at the end of the movie, is all of those. Mm-hmm. This guy was an asshole. I really liked him. He treated me like shit. Does that yeah. when somebody treats you like shit that way, part of you goes, "Did I deserve it? Mm-hmm. Am I shitty? Did, did, mm-hmm. did was this supposed to happen? Maybe I am just a dumb servant." You know, mm-hmm. like I'm. Uh, all of that was there when she had that emotional reaction at the beach. Right. And then after the beach, when she's just like back to her regular life, you know, making the thing and the, the mom gets the smaller car and that, you know. Yeah, yeah. All that they can stuff. fit in the driveway. They can fit in the driveway, which is yeah. sort of like a fuck you to the dad. Yeah. And the dogs just seem to shit all the time. No one, can, no one can seem to keep up with the dog shit. Dogs shit 10 times a day, apparently. Yeah, yeah. and uh, even with uh, two servants in the house, it's it's impossible <laughs> to keep up with. Keep up with the dog <laughs> shit. <laughs> but yeah, and then the end of the movie kind of goes back to the beginning of just sort of this simple daily life of mm-hmm. you know, doing the dishes and the chores and the right. thing. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, you know, and that the the dog shit is, of course, a metaphor for like you know for a number of things. One of them that uh, no matter how much you clean it up, there's still going to be more shit the next day. Yeah. There's always more dog and, shit the yeah, next day. And uh, you know, it's it's a Herculean task. It doesn't matter. It's always going to be more, <laughs> and uh, you'll never get in front of it or a hold of it. But uh, so I so, don't want a dog. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's that way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> not have a dog. Um, so yeah, I, I all right. I can't sing the praises of this movie enough. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's it's definitely worth seeing. Like, but here now, here's the great thing about this movie too. We talk about the uh, limited availability of seeing these films. Like, it's probably not in the theater near you. However, if you have Netflix, you can see it. It's a great alternative. Like, like, what if all of these movies that are at the Golden Globes are nominated for awards? What if we could see them streaming at some point? Even if we had to pay for them, that's fine. Make them all on demand before these. Um, award show so everyone can see them but yeah. you know we, we had that discussion in the regular episode but it bears repeating because they haven't caught on for, with it yet uh-huh. you know I think the streaming companies are going to make them these old school studios catch on that like you know oh guess what movies are available for award season that people are able to see whenever they want and often streaming without an extra fee the movies that we make what about the movies that you make oh people can't see them nice work I know it's mm-hmm. like it's it's in this movie god you got to see it on the big screen you got to see it in a theater with the lights yeah. off you got you got you got to you got to do that well it's also possible in a small amount of movies get this they get re-released like uh after they've already had their qualifying run or or they've di- or they've been in the theaters and they're out they'll come back not every movie gets this treatment but the ones that the studios are very confident on uh uh, award winners, they'll they'll get re-released. So, mm-hmm. but again, not all of them. You know, you still won't be able to catch all of them. So, you know, we got to take what we can get for now until uh, the we the studios get into this century and understand that people need to see these movies before they're dumb award shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys. Um, oh, oh, the Patreon sponsors. I almost forgot. Thank you. Uh, Please go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds. You're on every episode, guys. For $50 a month, we will read your things uh, as we are about to do now. Yeah. Really helping support the show. We almost got seven angry emails. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a Western. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Johnny Rulon has his novel Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel. Which, Jenny. Which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time dreams in the hidden places of a supernatural America. Calliope. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at audacityperformingarts.com. That's audacityperformingarts.com. Performing arts. <laughs> Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. Suicide. Get, yeah, get caught up on season one now for the season two premiere of February of 2019 or wherever podcasts are found. More at coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast and Tea with Alice, Brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. Hot tea. Yeah, they were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, uh, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. AliceFraser.com. AliceFraser.com. Binaural. (laughs) That's a good one. I like binaural. (laughs) 
Uh, Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. If you want to hear some fun stories and get inspired, check out The Art at facebook.com slash theartpodcasts with an S. Check out The Art. <laughs> La Calavera by Alan Ross. The story of a pirate radio operator decides to go into the pirate cable TV business. Uh, Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's on Amazon and ebook and hard copy. I'm not a crook. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave Hynek, a composer of contemporary classical music that people actually like, davidheinek.com, H-E-I-N-I-C-K. Boom. Thank you, Patronis. Classical music. Mm-hmm. Check them out, guys. Support the, that's it. So another thing is to support these Patreon. Go to their websites yes. and, mm-hmm. and check this thing out because then and let them know that you heard about it through us. Yes. So that then tells them that their marketing money that they're spending with us is worth it's it. Well spent. Is working. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys, that's spoiler up ninety. Uh, Bird Box and Roma. Um, love to hear your thoughts on this. Yep, check out the message boards yeah. or tweet at us, any of those things. And see Rome on a big screen. Yeah. <laughs> Do yourself that favor. It is it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I need to, I'm going to see it again mm-hmm. on a big screen. So thank you so much, Aaron Brungart, for working the podcast ones and twos. Can you guys tell which movie I saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I hope you had your ears plugged for the Romo talk. <laughs> I, I record so many podcasts and listen in my free time. I can't remember anything. Oh, so great. great. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. My brain is Swiss cheese. Well, go, <laughs> go, go see it on a big screen. Put that on a resume. Yeah. My yeah. brain is Swiss cheese. I don't remember well. Mm-hmm. Those are my, those are my skills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, guys. Uh, I'm my... typing 48 words a minute. That's... <laughs> Uh, all my tour dates are at grandmawa.com. Uh, end of February, I will be working at the three different zanies in the Chicago area, St. Charles, Illinois, downtown Chicago, and Rosemont. And then, of course, progressive comedy tour. Ron Placone and I, we are just in Florida. Thanks to everybody that came out We in March. We will be doing the Gulf states. We're doing Lafayette, Louisiana, Oxford, Mississippi, a state I've never been to. This is my first time ever going to Mississippi, and uh, New Orleans, and Pensacola. And then in... April, we are going to Texas. We're going to San Antonio, Fort Worth, Houston, and Austin. We're going all over the Lone Star State, so come on out to those shows. And in May, we are going to Salt Lake City and Boise. Go to GrahamElwood.com for all of my tour dates. Come visit me on the road. Progressive, coming to a city near you. Mm-hmm. Hot so. progressive comedy. <laughs> and uh, my graphic novel, Long Ago and Far Away, is still available at the Comedy Film Nerd store. Uh, I will sign it for you. It is... Uh, I, uh, no, the coupon's gone. <laughs> we, we stopped the 20% off coupon, so it's twenty four uh, ninety nine, but still worth it. Still and, worth it. Uh, and uh, I will sign it and ship it out. And uh, also, Conversations from the Abyss, check it out. The new episode uh, dropped on the 15th. New episodes every two weeks, starring people you know. We have the Sklar Brothers coming up, people from Thrilling Adventure Hour. Graham Elwood and Rick Overton are on an episode mm-hmm. coming up with, uh, a little, with a little bit of a political slant you will uh, enjoy. So uh, check it out uh, with the other podcasts on iTunes, Conversations from the Abyss. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We love doing the show. Thank you, Aaron. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first.